0: Episode 73, Bad Business Practices, Do It Better. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclare, and today, we're Dr. Paul Goodman, DMD Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclare, as he gets a rarely-seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear A Doctor's Perspective. Everybody, I'm so happy we got a dentist on the show. Can I get a you? This guy does so much. Not only is he specializing in dental implants, you know, like fake teeth that they screw into your jaw, he teaches people how to do it, and it's kind of a rare thing because he uh, was just a general dentist, and that was something back then that only like specialists did. But now he's you know really good at it. He's created this group called Dental Nachos, and it has become over 9,000 people in a very short period of time. And he has some ground rules about like how it how it works. Uh, I know a lot of people try to create their own Facebook group these days. And like, man, I can't get enough followers or like people are being nasty. So we're going to cover you know, those types of things, some of the dynamics and what to do about it. It's really a, a fun part of the interview. And then we go into talking about if you don't have value for what you're selling, for what you're providing, how are you supposed to ask people for that money? Especially if you think it's expensive, it's more of an investment. We dive into those types of questions. And then lastly, he is a broker for buying and selling dental practices. And- We get him to talk about two tips for the buyer, two tips for the seller, and also a great way um, to maximize your life when you're married before kids. So keep listening all the way to the end. It's a shorter episode today. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash seven three. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain live from China in Pittsburgh we got a great guest today he's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine he did his residency and hospital fellowship at the Albert Einstein Medical Center he has an amazing Facebook group called Dental Nachos he's the founder of Rising Dentist Study Club Rittenhouse Consulting he uh, he's a broker for dental practice sales teaches implants. This guy does it all. Dr. Paul Goodman, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. Really excited to uh, talk to you today. Oh,
0: me too. It, there's so many topics that you're good at. So lay, bringing it to, to what we need to talk about is going to be difficult for me. But dental nachos, we've got a chiropractic group called Cairo Sushi. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. So how did you come up with just the funny name? And then um, what can people expect in, in this group uh, and why should they join?
1: I mean, the, the origin story is really based on my love of nachos. When I, was a, when I was a little kid, I was a chubby little kid. So I always wanted to go to Mexican restaurants because they would give you chips right when you sat down. So my parents would always ask where you want to eat. And I wanted the immediate gratification because I always felt there was too much lag time between ordering and getting your food. Uh, so I loved going to these restaurants. And one in um, New Jersey was called Casa Lapita, traditional corporate Mexican place, and then I also, you know, thought that waiting tables is exactly what I wanted to do. I thought, you know, myself, even when I was like 10 years old, I'm like, this server has multiple tables and he can make it. And back in that day, probably like I thought, oh, he makes $7 from each table. That's 28 bucks an hour. That's pretty good. So I actually then wound up working as a server at Casa Lapita when I was 19 and I'm 40 now. So when I, I had 19-year-old guy metabolism and I worked out all the time. So when I worked there... Uh, they would let you eat as many free nachos as you want, Uh-oh. and it was pretty amazing. Uh, we had these drawers filled with those free chips, and the, you know it's you know now corporate places get a bad rap for the how they make food, and I'm sure it wasn't that the healthiest of places, but they would make their tortilla chips fresh all the time with drawers and drawers of them for us to eat. So when you get a basket for the table, you just eat some yourself. So. Uh, <laughs> I love doing that, and I just you know sort of obsessed with nachos. And now even at forty, I love going to Mexican restaurants. And at Obez. I always feel like people always enjoy themselves at a Mexican restaurant. I like sharing things. Yeah. I like times. You know, I like margaritas. So I thought uh, there was a Facebook group called Dental Hacks, which is still in existence, has like over twenty thousand members, and I was a member of that. It's kind of amazing how these groups have exploded. That was January of two thousand and seventeen. Wow. I said, you know. I, I'll make a group for myself with a few hundred people to talk about implant cases, and then I'm a big Seinfeld fan, yada yada yada. Like a year later, there's almost you know nine thousand people in the group. So Nachos was a combination of me, which is you know broker, dentist, um, teacher, do a lot of different things, uh, and then I also thought you know the group sort of mantras, you know share. Uh, you can be kindly disruptive, but you can't you know don't attack people, uh, just attack their ideas. So that's been um, you know, something I've been promoting in the dental space because I don't know how chiropractors are, but dentists have a tendency to not be too nice to each other.
0: Why is that? I'm glad we're not alone.
1: Uh, uh, the problem with that is um, dentists tend to be very competitive in school. They create this weird competition in school. What's nuts is everyone leaves and goes into all areas of the country and then goes all over the country, and then they're able to practice – In their own town, they don't know any other dentists, but they never talk to them. And it's a very strange, uh, strange thing here where dentists will feel competitive with the guy down the street. They don't even know the guy down the street. And uh, I at least want to make dental nachos about sharing, learning, being normal to each other. We have a catchphrase, that's so dentist, which is like, you know, that's so dentist. There was a show called That's So Raven back in the day. Yeah. Uh, that's so dentist. It's not a compliment. It's a. It's a. It's it's that dentist acting in a way a normal person would not act, uh, whether it's with each other, whether it's being really cheap, whether it's wanting to do something themselves they're not qualified to do and making things more expensive. So um, <laughs> you sound like and, a bunch of chiropractors. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. Maybe it's a solitary field like having a chiropractor. Yeah. You know the way it's set up, uh, the dentist. You know we have a lot of business problems in dentistry right now because. The solo practice model is not a—it's not a scalable one. It's not one where you know you have to buy a lot of equipment and a lot of technology yeah. in each location. It's probably a foolish way to conduct yourself as a business. But Dennis, you know, uh, they just can't seem to get along. So my mission is to make Dennis get along and be nicer to each other, and it's going mildly okay. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah,
0: moderators are in full force. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a work in progress. So
0: this is just really interesting because carpenters have some of the same things you just said. I don't want to hash it. And you guys have to spend so much money to build out. Does every yeah. dentist feel like either I have to have an associate versus like a partner, separate businesses altogether, but in the same roof to cut down costs?
1: I think the transitions. It, it was, it's just an archaic model that dentists are very bad with change. So everybody going into these own little homes or a lot of home offices, and everybody doing their own thing in a four or five operatory practice. It worked well and probably until the, until the early two thousands. But over the past decade, insurances have cut reimbursement. It's been more expensive to run practices. What dentists have to know is it's just so overwhelming to know in one place. I use this example all the time. I mean, have you you been to any diners uh, recently? Sure. So like, you know, the diner, I mean, the diner is the most insane business model that anyone could think of. I mean, you could be at a diner Drunk with your friends at 2 a.m. You could be there with your grandmother at 10 a.m. You could be there at 4 p.m. And someone will order, you know, a grilled cheese. And the person next to them order a Greek salad. And the third person will order salmon franchise And the diner is like, we will make it all. And that is so difficult. Imagine all the things you have to stock back there. And that's like a general dentist with the know so many things. So one of my catchphrases is dentistry is great. I mean, for a patient to get dental care, we have great technology a lot of painless things we do, cool digital stuff. We can replace teeth with implants. So dentistry is great, but being a dentist is not so great. Yeah, And that's yeah. the disconnect. And I think society, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but the patient, you want your dentist to be relatively happy because otherwise smart people won't want to do it anymore. And I think we don't want that because- you know, the income for dentists is declining for the first time ever, and that's very a very rare thing to happen. Very interesting.
0: So you guys have to have uh, a lot of systems in place so that it stays cost-effective. Do you happen to have a lot of – I mean you're doing consulting. Are there a lot of places out there that are, this is how you should market? I mean does everybody have to do teeth, free teeth cleaning to get somebody in the door? Or?
1: Well, not yet luckily, but one of the problems is – and this is one of my main – missions and dental nachos and i would love to maybe change this um somehow there's no business training in dental school right. so what happens is right. dental school and i've used this in one of my jokes on my group and because i have a three and a half year old and i have i'm about to have another child so i'm really you know in the in the total mix of co, of co-producing human beings right now so that is a daunting task so when you have a child no one really tells you how to do that either which i have a lot of issues i have a lot of issues with that i mean we spend more time training a starbucks barista than we do parents yeah So it's – but grandparents come, aunts and uncles come, and people love a new parent. They want to go over, can I help you? Can I do this? But nobody loves a new dentist, unfortunately. So the new dentist never got any business training, and it would be like teaching – they don't – they leave out how to feed the baby. They leave out how to do business, and then they close the door of dental school, send you on your way. You can never get back in and say, hey, you didn't teach me this, and then you're in this wild west of dentistry and it's just it's not going well at all I mean it, what dentists are usually very good people I mean they really are right and they want to help people so when I say it's not going well for the time being it's not really about patient outcomes it's more about dentist lifestyle outcomes in the sense where a dentist will take out five hundred thousand dollars in loans that dentist will need a job of sixty thousand dollars a year just to pay their loans and they think, oh, am I going to make $200,000 a year? And they, they sometimes make only half that. So now we have people who've given up four or five years of their twenty early 20s. And they've just been, a lot of times, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Dental school has totally misled them.
0: So what, I'm guessing you're uh, less of a fan of corporate dentistry and working on a big box chain uh, is what it feels like to me.
1: Well, it's interesting. As a broker, I, I, over the past two years, I've learned a lot of different business models. And a CVS or Walgreens... On itself, it's, it's not a bad thing, right? I mean, it's it's the, the concept is not bad because you think, okay, we'll have a bunch of dentists, a bunch of pharmacists in one place, and we will consolidate. So there's some good parts to that. Mm-hmm. However, pharmacists, no disrespect to pharmacists, uh, they do a lot of commodity-based things like providing pills and medications to people. Mm-hmm. So it takes it takes skill, but at the end, they're giving everyone the bottle and saying, go home and use this bottle. In dentistry, you're doing full contact arts and crafts in somebody's mouth, so it's way more technique sensitive. So we're not training our new dentists well in these corporate environments, because we're telling them to get out there and do, and they are not ready, and they don't know, and they need more guidance, but there's no real space for anyone to guide them, and to me, that's the big problem. That's why I see over the next decade. Is we're going to have all these young, new, energetic dentists, and they're not going to be trained well enough for their mid thirties mm. in things that are important.
0: Right, right. And I, I've seen some uh, Instagram. I follow some dentists, and they do implants, and some of these videos are super graphic. And I'm just glad I'm not a dentist because that's just not
1: I- – Yeah, well, <laughs> I can see that. A lot of dentists feel that way sometimes. I mean the implants – I do love implants because it is – to me that is is—you know, – you're building something from scratch. You're giving someone a new tooth. You are changing someone's life a lot of times. You do these cases for patients where you give them snap indentures. You replace – so that part is great. I mean that is a – the technology is awesome. But to go from dental school to being able to do what I do, and I'm not the best at doing and I'm just a seasoned veteran of it. Uh, I, I love restaurants. Obviously I love food of working in it. It's just a lot like the top chef shows. So someone's got to be an apprentice chef practice. They have to have a chef show, show them, okay, this isn't how you chop onions. This isn't how this comes out, but those chefs are working shoulder to shoulder in the same kitchen. Yeah. Dentists spread out everywhere. So there's nowhere there to give the feedback. And you've got me on them on my favorite topics. Also something interesting happens or dental students are so talked to in such a negative way and they're, they are trained in such a way where everything's wrong mm. that they get out. And now's the time to really get criticism. A lot of the new dentists are very, very reluctant to take criticism. I don't totally blame them, but then that's the time to be open to it.
0: Yeah. You're in somebody's mouth. So
1: <laughs> right. So it's, but the, there's not a good training system built in because I was lucky enough to do a residency program at Albert Einstein in Philadelphia, which I loved. And I think being around doctors and watching them follow around bigger, stronger doctors, it showed me like, okay, hey, there's an older doctor, there's a medium age doctor, there's a young doctor, they're all sharing, they're all learning. But there was, you know, a distinct hierarchy. And I think that system for learning is much better than what dentists have.
0: And when you say, I saw on your site, you've done like at least 150 implants. Is that a lot? In the implant world?
1: Well, that was, a, that was when I did it in my training. So back then, okay. in 2002, okay. it was very it was very dramatic for a general dentist, not a specialist, to learn how to place implants. Okay. So that was a lot for back then. And then I'd taken that and i trained other general dentists to get started in doing that because right now, in, implants, I love business things. And dentists, maybe chiropractors are the same, they don't like to hear bad news, even if it's true. Mm-hmm. So this would be an example of a dentist. It's going to snow tomorrow, five inches. I really wish you didn't tell me it was gonna snow tomorrow. Uh, Yeah, but the forecast says it's gonna snow five inches. I don't care, I'm not gonna wear my snow boots. And then the next day, they have no snow boots and it's snowing, so I use that example because dentists are so emotional. If you give them what they perceive as bad news, they wanna look away from it. So this example, the reason I'm using this example is dentistry has like a big pie chart of services. Cleanings, fillings, extractions, root canals, crowns, and implants. Mm Another one of my favorite foods is pizza, so if you think of it like a pizza, uh, everybody, when they go to get pizza at lunch, you look for the biggest slice, right? Yeah. Like They tried to cut it in evenly, but they're not machines, so usually, unless you're on a diet, you're looking for the biggest slice. Well, those slices inside our practices are changing, so procedures like fillings and crowns, those slices are shrinking. Root canals are shrinking because people are taking better care of their teeth. So. For society, that's good. I mean, you're a chiropractor, uh, right, Justin? Yeah. So here's why it's weird to be a dentist and a chiropractor. Do you hope a lot of people have back problems?
0: I mean, only because it goes to my pocket, but I
1: don't want them to really hurt. So, so, So you have to be a weird person to be a chiropractor, a dentist, a doctor, but especially a dentist or doctor, I'm sorry, especially a dentist or chiropractor who have to make money on procedures. So- you go to your dentist, right? And they come in and check your teeth, yeah. like if you have any cavities. So do you want that dentist? If I was your dentist and they said Justin's ready for his mouth check, do you want me to walk in there hoping that you, you need 10 cavities?
0: I really don't, but
1: right, <laughs> I really See? don't. Makes you feel weird yeah. because you, you, and, but, but if I hope, if I hope you have a healthy mouth, which is being a good person, I'm going to go out of business. Yeah. So if you, everyone has a healthy back, you're going to go out of business. So for us, Dental implants are this shining beacon of greatness because usually people need dental implants because they have fractured their root. It cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. have lost all of their teeth in a situation like a house that's dilapidated, right? You can't just put paint on it. So that reconstruction with implants is really powerful and positive. Right. Uh, and lucrative. And, it's a, and lucrative. So it's all good. Patients win, team wins. Uh, dentist wins. What's very interesting, and I find this in life a lot, when you buy the most expensive thing, I mean, it could be a car, it could be a house, it could be a vacation, it could be clothes. Going into it, you have this barrier about it being expensive. You're like, ah, this is kind of expensive, I don't know how I want. But if you notice, you usually never complain about the money again, right. because it's usually one of the best things. So we before we had our daughter, your listeners, if they're childless out there, and they want to have children, my friend gave me great advice. He said, take some trips before you have a child because you're never be able to travel again. So we went to Positano and and, uh, Capri and it was like a $16,000 trip. And at the time I was like, I'm really stretching this budget and I, you know, I don't know if I should do this. And now seven years later, my regret is I did not do three more of those trips (laughs) because I can never get that time back. And I'm thrilled I did it. And I don't regret $1. In fact, I regret I didn't spend more and I regret I didn't do it earlier. So that's how people feel about implants. They may get a price tag, 5000 $10,000, $15,000, There are $60,000 implant cases. Oh. I will tell you that in the thousands of cases I've been involved with, when the case is completed, no one has buyer's remorse in the money.
0: And these things are strong will, enough to bite apples and everything
1: because it changes your life. It changes your emotion. I was just in an Uber coming back from a lecture that we were talking to Uber drivers missing his two front teeth. He said, it makes you feel uncomfortable in front of my girlfriend. I mean, what's that worth, right? I mean, like his teeth coming out. I mean, so we just have this weird dysfunctional relationship with money because someone asked me if an implant's expensive, right? So maybe you're thinking this. If I took out your tooth right now, Justin, and I can give you a new tooth back, I'll tell you the start to finish. 4,800 bucks. Does, ex- does that sound expensive?
0: It does sound expensive.
1: It sounds expensive, but it's not. Because here, I'll tell you this. Let's say, I'm just going to say you're 30 years old, right? Okay. right you're 30. You're going to live to be 80. So now you're going to live 50 years. So it's $4,800 in 2018. So let's say you live, let's just say, let's just say you live 30, but like we are going to use it for 30 years. So you have about 1,000 meals a year. So now you're 30,000 meals of chewing with your $4,800 tooth. So take 30,000 meals. And see what that costs per meal. You know, what's a, a dollar per meal is $30,000. Ten, You know, 10 cents a meal is 3000 So now we got 17 cents a meal. So does that sound like a better deal?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus you can smile, self-confidence.
1: Plus you can smile, and it, it, plus your other teeth don't break down, plus mm-hmm. your other teeth don't break So dentists do not know how to talk to patients. My big thing is dentists talk to patients. I do a lot of courses on this, and I, lo- I love doing it. I want to do more of them. Uh, dentists talk to patients like other dentists, and that's why they don't want to do anything. So if I came into you and I said, "Hey, you know, Justin, my back is sore. I'm not as flexible. It bothers me when I do dentistry." And you, this is what how you would be. I mean, I don't know your language. So mechanics do this. It's like, well, you got a curvature in your L6. So what we're going to do here is we're going to come over here and do some injection here. I just wanted you to say, hey, here's how we're going to make you less sore, more flexible. We're going to spend 30 minutes with these. Dumbed down procedures. Explain it to me like I'm a six year old, like uh, Denzel Washington from the movie Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So he was always saying that to the people on the. Uh, he was the lawyer in that movie, and I love that phrase.
0: The human being service.
1: Human being service. Yeah, because we just talk to patients like people. Talk to patients. I mean, I I think I learned that being a server. Uh, I think I learned that because I like studying these things. But most dentists, we we had a I had a course in California just on Sunday. And I had there from dental school to 52 years. So dental school, minus two years in their career to 52 years and everything in between. And we agreed as a group that the most challenging part of every case is getting the patient to say yes for implants, getting them to say, okay, I'll do it. So not the treatment planning, not the placement, not the figuring out how to do the parts and pieces. So I said, okay, you guys have all told me that getting the patients to see the value and the money, and the time and saying they want to do it. it's the toughest. So I said, who here has taken a course on talking to patients? Very few people have taken. And there are very few are offered. Right. You know, if you are a dentist out there, Paul Homily just happens to the same name as I do. He's like in his probably 70 now. He talks, he lectures on this and he's great. But we are not training our dentist on how to get patients to say, yes, okay, I'll do it. And what's weird is uh, people say, well, I do not want to sell things to patients, right? Get over it. Well, it's here's the thing. Sometimes you're just selling really good stuff. Like, yeah, it's their best interest. What if, what if you're selling someone a life insurance policy for their family? That's a good sale. Yeah. What if you're selling somebody yeah. a Roth IRA? What if you're selling somebody uh, a particularly safe car for their family? So the, the the word "sell" took in these negative connotations. I don't really even think of it because to me. It's not really. It is a sales job, but I think of sell like okay, you go to Banana Republic, they're going to sell you some clothes. You already have some clothes. They're going to tell you these clothes are better than the clothes you have. You know that that's that to me. You need a pretty good salesperson. With dentistry, you're you're kind of just explaining the value and why a person needs this. But if you just say you need it, the people are very reluctant. So my wife says. This was a Vince Vaughn thing from the breakups. Like, you need to do the dishes. I do not want to do the dishes, even though I need to do them. (laughs) So he said, you know, if you do the dishes, it's going to make me feel, you know, happier with you, less annoyed. I said, okay, maybe I'll do the dishes. And I don't know. Did you ever see that movie, The Breakup?
0: It got crazy. Because he
1: wants to do the dishes. Like, who wants to do the dishes, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: You know, in chiropractic, we we have the same kind of scenario where sometimes we have these bigger treatment plans or we have like a a device that we want to use, but it's expensive and you have to convince the patient like this is for your best, you know, this is going to work. You'll be able to play with your kids. You're going to go golfing. You're going to do all these things that you couldn't do, which is why you're here. And the first thing they're going to talk about as well, it's expensive. Well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it'll just get better on its own. It's like you have to inform them like these are why. These are the outcomes, and that's kind of what you're selling is the outcome.
1: What's amazing is you're not in a much different field, but you know who the problem – the problem is not with the patient. The problem is with the chiropractor. So the the chiropractor is putting his own – his or her own values on it, and the chiropractor has never been trained on how to talk to his patients about this or her patients because I have total confidence in dental implants, and I don't think they're expensive. So you cannot sell something that you think is expensive. Right. You can, you can sell something that you think is an investment. So mm-hmm. if someone came – if I was treating your grandmother and she was going to spend $30,000 on new teeth, I wouldn't take it lightly. I wouldn't say, hey, just write me a check for $30,000. So I, it, the word expensive and investment are two different things. Expensive is a value judgment. Investment is a is a phrase that accurately describes what you're doing. So it's. I talk to these dentists all the time, and I try to do it in a way where they don't want to throw stale nachos at me. Yeah. They keep telling me the patient thinks it's too expensive. The problem is they think it's too expensive.
0: They read right through it.
1: Yeah, that's that's. I and mean, I'm. What's interesting is I'm, I'm going to take. I'm going to video some of my consults someday. Uh, I just treat it like a restaurant. I give them a menu. I tell them what's on the menu. Not eating is also on the menu, and, and that's a literal and figurative thing for dental patients. So I always use this phrase: "Hey, even if you just," I say. This doesn't work you know, you're you're a young person, so not many young people need implants, but if you did, I would say, you know, hey, Justin, I just want to tell you before we start this discussion on on your menu options, even if you decide to do nothing, we can still be friends, and the patient laughs because nobody wants to be friends with their dentist, but it harms them, and I learned that from a great dentist, John Coyce, who's just awesome, and I get to lecture with him this summer in Philly at the Philly Dental Splash, and that's going to be just great. I mean, he's an amazing guy. I'm on part of this whole lecture panel, and... Um, he said start with telling the patient what happens if you do nothing. You could do this too. Yeah. Start with telling them what happens if you do nothing. Can't play with your grandkids, can't bend over, and be be honest, but be re, put I mean I tell people you got to responsible fear, right? I mean, if if a financial planner said to you it's no big deal to save for retirement, that's a bad financial planner. Yeah. If they said you're going to be working till you're 100 that could not that could be irresponsible fear responsible fear is hey if you don't put any money away in your 30s and 40s you may not have a lot of choices in your 60s and 70s and if you want to go on vacations or even just have some time where you can take off if you don't start now that's going to be a problem that's responsible fear yeah so that that's kind of how I approach my treatment plan discussions or, or menu. Everything goes back to the menu, food. I always tell them, like, hey, it's like a restaurant, a dental restaurant. Nobody wants to come here. Uh, it's expensive, blah blah blah. But you know, it's, we sell you or we offer you things that are really valuable for your life.
0: And if you're lucky, we'll give you a payment plan, just so that it's not like yeah. where am I supposed to get thirty grand. <laughs> Most so people. When people say that
1: to me. I always just say, you know, I'm. It's weird. I've never had any real sales training. Maybe I would like to someday. I mean, it, you know, there's this. Course Ashley Ladder about ethical sales. I, it's a it's a guy from England, I think. I would like to take that guy. But um I someone said to me, Where must we have thirty thousand dollars? My instinct as a person is to say, that would be a lot of money for me too, because it would be. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, I need to figure out how I could make it work. We have someone in our office, Kate, who's gonna talk to you about ways it could work. And dentists are also very um, judgmental with their words. So I said, do you ever see the show Scrubs?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So I love that show. Zach Braff is one of my favorite actors. And the reason I love that show is that is life. He's constantly talking to himself. So you're always talking to yourself. Like, you know, I always use this as women because it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing. You know, in Philly, it's weather's getting warm out, right? So people start dressing like it's middle of summer immediately. (laughs) So, you know, my wife could be going out with her friend for brunch and she's about to approach one of her best friends and her brain's saying this, I can't believe she wore that skimpy outfit for brunch. It's only 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Why did she get up in the morning and think she's got to show off and, and show off for brunch? And then she gets up there and says, oh, hi, Jennifer. Good to see you because that's life, right? <laughs> you shouldn't apologize for it because my wife, if if the words don't come out of her mouth, she's a normal person like Zach Braff. You become mean and obnoxious and judgmental when the words come out of your mouth. Very philosophical, Justin. I don't know where thoughts come from. That's a pretty, pretty deep question, right? Right, right. But if you go to visit your friend, I don't know, you have many times to see your friend and you just say, that is a dumb outfit. But you're like, I am not going to say that's a dumb outfit because that's going to be a, um, what do you say? That's not a, it's not a way to keep your friendship. Right. So with patients. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, dentists will way too many times be judgmental and not, this is what I have called them. They won't put things on the menu because they don't think the patient can afford it.
0: You got to at least present it.
1: I just I was on this podcast, and uh, one of the guys from Dental Hacks, I my, I said something that was very meaningful to him, and I'm glad he pointed out. I said, everybody deserves the right to say no to the best option. Yeah. Here's the thing. If I was going to go buy a car for the rest of my life, I want them to give me an option of a Porsche, a Lexus, uh, a Volvo, a Honda. I don't want them to look at me the way I dress or the way I am or if I have two kids and say, ah, this guy can't afford a Lexus. We're only going to show him a Honda. And that is, to me um, – not the right way to do things,
0: yeah, nobody wants to hear that, yeah, so interesting well, we have a few minutes left, sure, we can definitely like say we could we could always do a round two later, but one of the things that you do is actually buy and sell for help you help people. you broker sales, yeah, uh being that we don't have a lot of time per se, um do you have like a top tip, maybe a top two tips if you're the buyer, top two tips if you're the seller, things to look out for because it is a it's a daunting process. I've done it. I felt like sometimes you're like, did I overpay? Then you go to sell it and you're emotionally charged about it. You're like, it's totally worth 30%
1: less than you think. It's always like, yeah, it's always like the, um, how attractive is your child? I mean, everyone thinks their child's attractive, but the rest of the world is going to explain to you that not everybody's a supermodel, right? We only have like 10 supermodels and it doesn't mean everyone else. So uh, I've learned a lot in this field about dentists and how they think. One of the problems is sellers are between 60 and 70. And they're talking to people between 30 and 40. Right off the bat, two separate generations. People who don't like one, you know, I always use this joke: be careful when you make fun of old people, because you're gonna be old. So be careful when you say an older dentist wants a fax or a call, because one day you're gonna ask for a text message. My daughter Daphne's gonna be like, My dumb old dad asked for text messages. We send like holograms, talking holograms to each other. Right. Like can't my dad figure out how to use talking holograms? So that's right off the bat, the communication is a, is an issue. Then the seller has been working in their own little practice forever, and they think it's worth a lot more than what it is, and they've never even checked. You know what's interesting is a seller will look up a stock like Google that he they owns every day. He'll look up the value of Google, right, which is a bad thing to do. But you know he'll say. Google's going up, Google's going down, but they'll never check into what their practice is actually worth before they sell it. A couple years before you sell it. So here's my tips. Two years before you sell your practice, you should pretend like you have to sell your practice tomorrow. And you have to get it in shape. And I use the example of when the stars go on the red carpet. You want to juice cleanse your practice. So that what that means is everyone's had a body for, let's say, 50 years. You gotta show up at the Oscars in two weeks, that's two years. You wanna look as best as possible. There's no time for Going back and exercising, you have to do things to present yourself in as cosmetically appealing way as possible. Clean it up. Yeah, clean it up. Right. If you have, could, don't spend tens of thousands of dollars, but spend things on maybe sometimes new waiting room furniture. If it's you got an old couch from the seventies, um, learn how your practice management system works. And for sellers, get all your documents in order. And that's for any practice owner because life happens and people unfortunately get injured, they die suddenly, they want to move away, and selling a practice is a complex thing. So have all your tax returns in a folder that you have. I'd get it in a digital folder, even if it's Gmail, that says important folder where if anything happens to you, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as death, but if anything happens that you can just send to a broker right away to get started. You should practice this two years before you start to do it. So that's my top tip for sellers. My top tip for buyers is uh, start connecting with banks earlier than they think because what hap- you will go somewhere and you will see a practice that you want to buy and the bank will not want to lend you on this practice. It's not the practice's fault. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes you have too much credit card debt. Sometimes you have bought too big of a house. So my, my take-home tip, probably for if you do not own your professional business, dental office, doctor office, chiropractor office, physical therapy office, do not – Purchase a house first, because when you purchase a house first, two things happen. One, it's a very emotional process that you don't want to do again, so you are not willing to move for a good practice. So I told, I will talk to somebody when we get off this call. Where I'll say, "There's a practice sixty minutes away from you." They say, "Oh, my kids go to school here. I don't want to leave and buy it." I said, "Yeah, but it's a really good practice. You can make three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. You're making one hundred fifty thousand dollars They this. Ah, I already own a home here, so that was a bad decision. Rent until you buy." You'll be 40 years old. Rent until you purchase your professional practice because that's going to anchor you to the area. So that's my main two two tips there.
0: I like that because yeah, I remember I was listening to your Dental Amigos podcast. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly one of the things you said. And it was like you, you, you can't move 30 minutes outside of like the major city. You're like, yeah, oh, I just bought right. a house. You're like, I'm telling you, you can make triple or quadruple the money.
1: Right. And I can't do it. So don't put barriers to a big decision in your life. So when you put barriers to a big decision, it's going to you're not going to make a smart one. So rent until you rent until you find that practice, because that practice is what's going to support you for the rest of your life. Not a three story home, not a fancy apartment. And it's just human nature. Nobody likes to move. I don't like to move. So, you know, make it as easy as possible where you're not tied down to the area rent. So if a broker comes to you and says, you know what, Justin, we have a great practice 45 minutes from here. There's a 60 year old chiropractor retiring. He makes half a million dollars a year and he would sell his practice to someone just like you. You should say, I want to go see that and I'll go rent there for a while. And then when I like everything, I'll I'll purchase purchase a home. So that's my best tip.
0: Real quick, dentists have as much student loan as a chiropractor, probably more. Um, Is that going to, that should affect the bank loan. So I'm assuming these people need to be in practice for a while or what? People think
1: that the the bank is not that scared of the student loan because they know that Dennis will not fail. But remember, the definition of success is not not failing. I always (laughs) use this joke. If my wife, who was nice enough to help me with the Skype call because I was, um, you know, technology, I'm not very good with technology. If you said, hey, Mary, uh, how's your your marriage going with Paul? And she said, well, at least we're not divorced. (laughs) That was not nice, Mary. So- (laughs) That, that's not success. So, I mean, you know, uh, uh, I mean imagine if you like, like I'm trying to think of your, I, 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 don't, I don't know if people really are like bent over and you unbend them, but like if you said, how's your back? Well, at least I'm not bent over at 90 degrees. If that's your definition for, for uh, total failure, that's why dentists can't think of it that way. So the student loan is not as big a barrier as you think, but they should also save liquid assets. A good tip is they need 10% of the practice purchase price saved in liquid assets Ooh. so don't get all your student loans too quickly so if you want to buy a five hundred thousand dollar practice that bank wants you to have fifty thousand dollars somewhere that you could touch for an emergency
0: good points well i love having you on where can people find out all the information
1: Oh, sure. Well, uh, drpaulgoodman.com is my easy website. Uh, has a lot of ways to contact me through email. I love doing CE events for dentists. So we have a uh, myself and Robert Montgomery have a, who's a dental focus attorney, The thedentalamigos.com has our yeah. podcast and CE events. So those are two good sites, drpaulgoodman.com and thedentalamigos.com to find out more info.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much perfect. for being on the show. You really brought it. And I know if people use their brains, they'll be able to implement it into their own doctor specialty. So, uh, appreciate
1: Thanks, that. Thanks, Justin. What you're doing is great, great for your, your field and I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right. People ask a good bit, how do you monetize a podcast? Well, if you have a big enough audience, you can just get advertisers and they just pay you a fee. Other times you got to get a little creative, like with affiliates. So you recommend a product and then you get a commission, but hopefully you actually enjoy the product that you're recommending. And in this case, I do. So, a doctor's slash resources. You'll have all this stuff like Blueberry for the hosting. That's what I use. Set for set. They've got these wild steel maces. Well, I don't use that. They do have these power bands and they're great for stretching and mobilizing joints that definitely are locked up. Mentor box: Get a book. Listen to it. by the author summarizing the book, but also things that they learned since they wrote it as well as a workbook to help you out. We got Primal Doc as a coupon code for... Primal Health Bone Broth. It's paleo autoimmune diet based. You got no sugar, no soy, no, no allergies, no gluten, no dairy. And you can save 10% off with the code. You got Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels if you ever wanted .com secrets or expert secrets. If you click that link, you can get the book at a good price as well as help me out. And then underneath that, Amazon, anything that the guests recommend. If you see a hot link, a blue link in the show notes, if you click those and buy one of their books or one of the products, I'll get a little piece of that. And I appreciate it. We have got new t-shirts. we got a Louisiana theme. It's my home state. So I'm kind of fond of it. We've got a make lemon out of lemonades t-shirt. And of course some chiropractic shirts that are uh, tongue in cheek, but hopefully you guys like them and gals. Also, if you're into Lessons Learned in China, my first book, uh, exercises, stretches to help with numbness, budgeting, all that type of thing. You can try four chapters free, a doctorsperspective.net slash chapters. Also, acupuncture. If you like no needle acupuncture, if you like that idea, if you always wanted to try it, but you don't have one nearby or you just don't have two hours a day to go, you know, commuting and getting the treatment and everything. This is something you can do at your house, 30 minutes for a little over a week, and you can see results. Now, a doctorsperspective.net slash in a protocol, as in needless acupuncture. So in a protocol, and you get four chapters for free. These complete with the words and the pictures and how to do it, how, when you should do it, all those types of questions. Anxiety, insomnia, back pain, headaches. So check that out. You'll be forwarded to a page, uh, with a video, and all you gotta do is put your email in. And if you don't like the upsell after that, just scroll to the bottom, click no, and then you'll get to the next page to where you can actually download them. Also, if you've looked at doing an acupuncture pin, it's kind of like a TENS unit you would use for your muscles, but it's been modified for stimulating acupuncture points run off of a 9-volt battery. You can go to doctorsperspective.net slash ePIN, and you can buy that on the website as well. Thank you all so much for checking out all these resources. And if you have any questions, please let me know. Uh, Rank us five stars. Leave a review greatly appreciated as always if you have any special guests that you would love to hear or a series that you would like reach out on the top right of the website you have all the social media icons just click the one that's your favorite and connect we just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end i hope you got the right dose for your optimal life please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media And visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair giving you a doctor's perspective.